0: hey guys welcome back in this episode i'm interviewing michael from the irish fire podcast on how he's reviewing and reflecting on effectively his investments and his fire choices so michael has gone through some very uh (laughs) drastic investment choices massive losses massive gains and also some very risky investments the same time Um, he has learned a lot from this this has changed the way he invests the way he approaches fi and life and having a very good conversation where he reflects on what he does right now and what he will not do anymore in the future so anyway sit back relax and enjoy the show welcome to the financial independence europe podcast where we interview people from all 44 european countries all of them about optimizing your life do you arbitrage and making the most of your money. This was your host, Alvar, Armin, and Matthias. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast episode of the Financial Independence Euro podcast. Today, I've got Michael with me. Hey,
1: Michael. Hey, Alba. How are you doing?
0: Awesome. Our long-lost friends, semi, uh, co-host, and financial independence expert on Ireland, right? Uh, originally from New Zealand. How are you doing, my friend?
1: i'm doing well i'm doing well yeah i'm i'm looking forward to and i'm delighted to be on the show again so i know it's been just over a year since i was last on the show over so i'm I'm delighted to be back again thank you so much for having me nice one and
0: on today's episode about well, you we already mentioned it a year back i interviewed yourself on enjoying the road to fi where we pretty much um delved into the lifestyle you had set up back then you know the way you managed to reduce your work hours to so basically nothing live off of it fit and spend all the time with on your kids and side hustles and um, this episode is basically going to focus on, okay, where have you gone to from at that point up to right now? And we're going to review um, the investments you've made and kind of the lessons you've drawn out of that and that have pretty much made you now develop the plan you are at right now. You've had some very uh, interesting ones and some controversial ones too. So I think this will make for a great episode for all the audience. So maybe just to start Michael, could you like paint for the audience a picture? Where were you at like a year ago in terms of like roughly speaking your plan and like how did you earn your
1: money? Yeah. So to, to give my background, I'm a freelance website developer. And a year ago, I had a dream that I could reduce my hours and I had reduced my hours down to part-time hours. And I continued to get better clients and reduce my workload further. And it got to a point where in November, I'd actually reduced my time down to around two and a half hours a day. So I'd really cut right back. And in the meantime, I'd been working on so many passion projects. I'd set up um, about five hockey clubs here in North Munster in Ireland. I'd started doing things with forestry and native woodlands. Uh, I've recently set up a co-op here to help plant native woodlands. And that's had about 73 members intact. Uh, Everything was looking rosy. And then, of course, the coronavirus happened. And uh, a lot of the investments that I had made that I thought were fairly rosy turned out not to be so hot so yeah that that had certainly been a pretty painful lesson and uh, I've I've taken a lot away from that and I'm happy to to share more of that about that in this interview
0: sweet one and also just to paint a picture for the audience like a year back where were you kind of at as in terms of like savings monthly and what was your roughly like your fine number you were aiming at at that point
1: yeah so I was definitely in the lower end of where I needed to be long term and I think I think when you first come into this movement, there's this is feeling of, right, I, you know, let's get this done. And you feel sort of in a rush. And at the time I was thinking maybe 200, 300,000 euros would do it. And I was there at about 80,000 euros. So I felt like I was ticking along. My savings rate was pretty good. I was putting away two, 3,000 euros a month. Uh, so everything kind of felt like it was pretty rosy. But I didn't really have the full picture in mind. And some of the investments I had were certainly not your traditional investments. They were some fairly... Uh, high risk forex investments. I had a Christmas tree investment. All sorts of yeah, many many peer to peer lending uh, investments in some of the the uh, platforms that eventually became scams and have since been exposed. So it was kind of all built on a little bit of a house of cards. And then on top of that, I was actively hating what I was doing in terms of work. So it was getting harder and harder for me to actually want to go to work. And I was enjoying the time. And look, I have a young family, so I certainly don't regret. The time that I had in terms of being able to spend time with them, and particularly working on some of the passion projects that we talk about, and it is an important aspect of fire. And I think in many in many ways, everybody has to kind of go through that to work out what they actually want post-retirement. So you know, I certainly don't regret some of that stuff, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. 2020 came along, and it's very much been a, a wake-up call for me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, you being able to get your hours down to pretty much 10, 12 hours a week,
0: and still get a three K savings a month in. Keep them maintained and spend all the time with your family. It sounds like the
1: dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it it, it is and it was. Um, at the same time, when I talked earlier about that savings rate of of or that that goal of two or three thousand euros a month, it doesn't give very much flexibility. And what I mean by that is we're living extremely poorly, and that's all fun and games until that becomes Groundhog Day, right? So it gets to a stage where you go, Do you know what? I would actually like to go overseas for a holiday. Or do you know what? I would actually maybe like to upgrade my car at some point or have a little bit of extra cash if I need to or not feel like we're living in old clothes the whole time. So I think you know it was beyond frugal for for a little bit and that kind of gets tiring after a while. And I think there's two ways to do fire. There's the first way that I tried to do, which is basically cheat it and do it at your bare minimum. Or there's a proper way, which is, look, we need 25 times our expenses and it's going to take a long time to do it, but we're here for the long haul. Okay and I'm also noticing
0: a bit of a trend here in the sense of you mentioning, okay, you know, first you were going lean fire, bare bones, and that developing into something maybe a bit more semi realistic, um you being able to live a semi fire lifestyle and spending all the time with your kids, but at the same time, not being actually able to do the things you want, maybe going home to New Zealand for a bit, traveling around, getting that new car in, and a number of investments that backfired a little bit.
1: And yeah, so I mean, I, I'll actually talk about some of those two Alva. So I've been doing a whole lot of uh, work on day trading and, and studying day trading for a good six to nine, maybe 12 months. And I've been doing fairly well and a, a fairly decent chunk of my portfolio was within my own trading account. Now, for anybody who says that trading is passive, is dreaming, because even if you're not actively trading, you're still constantly watching the markets. And you actually become a little bit of a slave to the market. So, you know, it wasn't actually a very nice lifestyle. And particularly when you're trading currencies, you might be trading, I don't know, maybe the Aussie, Aussie yen or something like that. So you're actually up checking the markets in the middle of the night and it's keeping you awake. And so my existence, again, it, it wasn't very nice. And, and sometimes when you look at the fire movement in more of a long run game, you actually don't want to be checking the markets. You just want to be able to relax about it. And so my trading was successful until I started shorting gold there towards the end of last year. And uh, it resulted in me losing around 6,000 euros in one day. So it was fairly devastating. And um, look, some of that was, was profit that I'd accumulated, but at the same time, it was a fairly serious hit and it was a good chunk of my portfolio to lose. So it was certainly an eye opener from that point of view. Did you stop day trading after that loss? From memory, I continued for a little bit, but I, with a lot less in my account. And I kind of then, you know, once I reflected on it and some of that sort of things I mentioned there about the fact that you're kind of tied to the market so much, I eventually removed and took a break and was so grateful for the break. So again, it was very much about uh, yeah, adopting a much more long-term approach and and learning the lessons that I had to learn, which again, I think many of us would go through anyway. I um, thought what, what's different in, in my case is that I have the podcast in Ireland, and I was more than happy to talk about it. But yeah, it it was a hard couple of months because at the same time, within a week or two, Investio went bust. Now, I didn't have huge money in Investio, but it was still a horrible thing that happened at the time. Uh, And then, of course, a few months later, Grouper followed, and that was uh, took a lot more serious hit. So yeah, look, it's been a tough 2020 in terms of the, the portfolio, but in many ways, it's probably been the best thing for me in terms of Actually, being able to build a much better and stronger foundation in terms of my investments.
0: Just for the audience, Group Beer and Investio, what were they and what happened to them? And like, how much did you roughly lose on those investments?
1: Yeah, so with Investio, I was only down about eight hundred euros, so that was fine. I could easily live with that. And you know, again, I had invested there based on the fact that look, this is a fairly high risk investment, so I was fairly happy with what I had in there as a percentage of my portfolio. But what took me by surprise was Grouper. Now Grouper still exists and there's still some speculators to say that, look, maybe it's not a scam, but it certainly looks like it is. And I had around, I think, four and a half thousand euros there. So again, you know, not serious money, not money that's going to break, break the bank, so to speak, but enough to kind of you know, have a little bit of a wake up call. And when you put the six plus the four and a half plus the 800, then suddenly you're 11 or 12 grand down. And uh, yeah, that's not so nice. And from the peer-to-peer lending
0: place, yeah, that definitely does hurt. Um, and the fact that I just disappeared, I personally was invested only in Investio, not in Group Beer. Um And I happened to cash out, fortunately, in time on Investio. But yeah, the, the fact that a website that looks semi-okay suddenly it disappears, it's gone, it's bust. We're not going to go into depth on the causes, the reasons, and the whys. But we can definitely all agree on that the peer-to-peer lending sector has really lost a lot of. Fate and trust of the phi community over the last months uh i've definitely personally also withdrawn a good chunk of my peer-to-peer lending investments based on that reason are you still invested at
1: all in peer-to-peer lending no i've been largely cashing out but not so much for peer-to-peer reasons but more for reasons around you know trying to move that money to other places so you know in light of all of this we quickly realized that we and when i say we i mean myself my wife that we had to move into the more traditional investments of good old index funds and, uh, and property. So, you know, every cloud I always say over has a silver lining. And, you know, because of that decision to start pulling money out of peer to peer lending, uh, because of what actually happened with the coronavirus, we were able to do a deal uh, a couple of months ago where we've actually um, put an offer down on a new house. And we're going to be moving into a much bigger house, which is uh, going to be nice for us. We do have three young kids. And we're going to be renting out the house that we're in at the moment. And because the house that we're in at the moment is in quite a popular location where we live, we'll be able to get premium rent and that rent will actually cover both of the mortgages. So, you know, it's one of those sort of house hacking scenarios that we've managed to do. And because of the coronavirus, so even though I probably lost there, what I say, 12 grand, I mean, we managed to pick up our house for significantly less than what market value would have been. And really, if you look at it in many ways, we've made up that twelve grand in terms of the, the deal that we managed to get on that house. So you know, it's a matter of matter of how you look at things sometimes. And you know, th- there was a house that we managed to get that we would not have been able to to, to get at the peak of the market. So uh, we're kind of de- delighted from that point of view.
0: So it's not necessarily because of um, your losses you've been able to pull this off. It might have happened either way if you had not lost this money. But it's a new avenue you're jumping in now, and. So that does mean at you know, going forward, when you've got that set up, you will effectively live mortgage slash rent free.
1: Yeah, ideally, ideally. I, you know, obviously every property investor would say, say to you that, look, it's not as simple as that. It's always going to be challenges along the way. You know, we're going to have to get good renters and so on, but it's putting us down that path and it's it's moving us down in a, in a different direction. And I've got no doubt we would not have taken that direction had this not happened. So you know, it's kind of pushes you one way or another, which is good sometimes. And sometimes you need that little bit of push and a little bit of a lesson and sometimes just to get your head out, head out of the clouds as well, Elva. And I think that that's certainly been my story in terms of actually helping me push. And uh, look, it's the same in relation to the semi-retired lifestyle that I spoke of earlier. You know, semi-retirement isn't fun if you have to get up and do something. And even though I was only down to, to, to a two and a half hour day, I still had to get out of bed and I still had to go and do those two hours. And so, two and a half, I still had to get out of bed and had to go and do those two and a half hours. So it wasn't like it was optional. And I know it's such a subtle difference, but if you, you know, if you're still feeling like, oh man, I've got to go and do two and a half hours work, then you may as well just do a full eight hours because you've still got the same feeling of, oh man, it's Monday, you know. And so it started to become that way. And when I started to, uh, I, I know you're a fan of this as well, but uh, the mad scientist has his laboratory or his, his fire calculator. And, uh, when I started to use that a little bit more, see, one of the other nice things that happened with lockdown is our family's spending dropped significantly. And I think when we spoke last year, I was talking about, you know, how much we were spending. I think it was roughly between three and 4,000 a month. I mean, we have significantly reduced that. And it's one of those nice things. I think losing or, or reducing your expenditure, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like getting healthy again. You know, like if you're in a daily habit of eating a chocolate bar or having sweets or even drinking beer, and then you manage to get yourself out of that habit, then when you have one little chocolate bar, you're going to feel like you've just had like what you used to have in 10 chocolate bars in the old days, right? And the best example is I haven't actually had a drink in almost a year. Now I come from a family of booze hags, right? So we're all drinkers. So for me to not drink is an unbelievable thing to have achieved. And now if I had one beer, I would be Absolutely legless, right? And it's the same thing with spending. It's a habit, right? So you know, if you're spending three or four thousand a month and you've got to try and cut down to two thousand a month, it's not going to happen. But if you slowly decrease that over over a number of months and years, then suddenly you're going to get to, going to get to doing that, and you're not going to notice any change in your lifestyle. It's it's lifestyle deflation, is what I kind of termed it. So we've managed to kind of pull that off, and it's been a great way for us to not have to work more and be, a, be able to reduce our uh, years of our fine number. Because when you start playing with that calculator, and the reason why I'd recommend everybody have a look at it, is because you quickly see how reducing your expenses makes a massive difference in the number of years it's going to take you to become financially independent. I think we can all say, no,
0: up to a certain extent, you know, it's easy to increase your income against saving on costs. But if you're at that three, four K monthly expenditure level, it's going to get so hard with, especially in the income tax you are paying in Ireland to. Now, if you earn a, a grant extra, but you pay 60% tax over that or 50% and only keep 400 like net
1: in, in the pocket, it's a lot easier to actually cut costs against earning more. Yeah, big time. And you've got to remember that for every expense that you add, you need 25 times that in terms of investment income. So even as something as simple as reducing 100 euros a month, well, that's, that's 1200 euros a year Well, you're going to need that times 25 in terms of enough capital to actually live based on the 4% rule. We look at the things you've kind of
0: been able to save and obviously, you know, in terms of going for dinner and leisure expenditure, but you know, you were mentioning earlier, like a monthly spend of 3 4k. What is
1: it right now? And what are the main things you've managed to chop out? So the best thing that we had to do when we bought this house is the bank didn't quite give us enough money that we needed. Right, So they almost gave us everything. We, we were able to do it through an equity release and, and not selling our current home, which is almost unheard of in Ireland. And I know and look, I know it's very, very common overseas, but, but after the Celtic Tiger collapsed here, banks have been very reluctant to do it. And we managed to find a broker that was able to do it, but they didn't quite give us as much as we needed. And so we had to hustle. And so it was a matter of me sitting down with the wife and going, look, we want this house. We're going to have to just scrape it for the next few months. And thankfully, with lockdown, we hadn't been able to spend money anyway. And when we started doing that, we were quickly able to see how many expenses further than we'd already reduced, because we'd already reduced a lot of expenses moving into the, into the fire movement. But now we were able to really go that much further. Groceries, I, I think I even mentioned it a year ago, groceries was a massive one for us. Switching over to Audi and Lidl made a massive difference, but just going in with a shopping list, removing the impulse buying, you know, making sure you do a full audit of what you need before you go in, has had a significant difference. So we were able just—I would say—since we spoke a year ago, we've reduced our, our grocery bill by about half. We would have been spending around twelve hundred a month before, and now we're about six hundred a month. So you know, something as simple as that has made a massive, massive difference. Um, but just cutting out more of the of the waste, coffees, you know, all of that sort of stuff—it's amazing how it all adds up. But also just getting a partner on board, getting us both on board with a bigger picture in mind—that hey, look, if we can actually do this for a few months, that we'll be able to get this bigger house. And then beyond that, once you're actually there, you realise well, actually this is not hard door. This feels good, this feels natural, you know. And once you start seeing that fine number and realising that hey, you're only five years away if you keep going at this rate, then things become a lot more kind of attainable, and, and you start seeing the light at the you start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: And talking about the fine numbers, obviously earlier you mentioned ah, uh, two fifty three hundred k will do the job for us in terms of what you had in mind a year ago. Um, but I'm curious, you now. In hindsight, or in hindsight, where has that changed to? Like right now, what do you expect to need to live the life you want?
1: Yeah. So look, I always laughed at the four percent rule, and I always thought those guys were crazy. And this twenty five times your expenses thing was was madness. But the more I've reflected on it, and, and I suspect ever since you know the coronavirus and seeing what's happened since then the more you realize that, hey, there's probably some truth in that. And look, there's even some commentators now that are saying that the 4% rule is probably a 2% rule. And look, I'm not going to buy into that too much. I'm, I'm going to be sticking with the 4% rule. But you know, really, realistically, 800K, a million K is where we need to get to. So we kind of work backwards. And this, this is probably something that was quite interesting, Alva, because I think the problem with the FIRE movement is when you say to somebody, I need to be a millionaire to be financially independent, which we probably all do, right? Then it seems too hard. It seems like it's gonna to take too long. And for the majority of us, it's just not just not not, not possible. And so we we start looking at a 12 month stretch, which is which is exactly what I did. I started saying, look, I'll put 30,000, 40,000 euros away this year. And the next year I did it. And then I thought, right, I'll actually cut down my working. I'll only put twelve thousand down this year. But hey, look, I'm almost semi retired. It's easy, you know. So it was very much short term thinking. And then I went the opposite way. I said, Right, we need a million. We have to work backwards from that. How are we going to actually do that? And when you actually look at that, it seems almost impossible until you start putting it into some calculators. And I very, very quickly realized that if I were to be able to hustle, what if I were to put maybe 5,000 a month in for the next five years? What does that look like? Well, suddenly that meant if I allowed the market and just the normal returns of around 7.1%, which is adjusted for inflation based on the share market, right? Again, if you go to the mad scientist, that's the return that he uses. Then suddenly you're leaving that money in the market over, say, 10 years, you're there. And so the whole thing becomes that much easier. And so we started exploring, right, should, should I not start working a little bit more? Should I not start making more of an effort to actually get there? And in the meantime, we've reduced our expenses even more. So it's basically a real compounding effect on reducing expenses and really increasing your income. And I'm challenging the income thing, right? Because this isn't just increasing it by 10, 20%. This is doubling it, right? Work out how you can double it. And look, I know from talking to yourself, Alva, that you're fairly comfortable in the job you have. But I might ask, and I might put it back on you to say, look, if you really had to, if you really had to double your income, could you in two years, if you started applying for you know, more high paying, probably stressful jobs, right? Taking on more responsibility, but knowing that, hey, if this is five, 10 years and we're there, Then that's it. Because all of us could sacrifice ten, five, or 10 years of our life to become financially independent, to become millionaires, right? If if you ask somebody to make that trade, most people would do it. Yet here is the opportunity, and most of us won't do it. And so that's kind of been our realization over the last couple of months that, look, maybe I just need to put my head down and make this happen.
0: I think that's a very fair conclusion. And everybody, if you ask yourself the question, if you have to double or triple your income in the space of one or two years, if this is feasible, what do you have to do to get it done? And I think for most of us, you know, in terms of the geo arbitrage options we've got, moving to other countries, changing professions, in case of yourself, because I mean you're gonna go for um ten hours a week, you know, you're gonna like quadruple the hours you're working, right? That's on itself is a very hefty commitment. And I mean you are basically Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're going to lose family time or other hobby time you're going to lose to gain that faster fight track, but it means less
1: Michael time and more work time. Yeah, big time and, and, and being more unhappy, right? So it, it is hard. And I'm, I'm certainly not saying it's easy. And look, I'm going to jump on some stories of, of other people that I know who have done this. So it's not just, it's not just me taking this, but the way I see it now is, is when I go to work, I'm working two days in one now from what I was right? Almost three days in one in some cases. And so for every single day that I work, I'm banking another day that I'm going to get in the future. More than that, by the time you put it in the market with compounding. And so that's been one way. And look, my story is, is somewhat unique because I had that ability to uh, charge a, a premium as a web developer. I've learned how to do that, right? But I, that certainly wasn't always the case, Alva. Certainly wasn't always the case. Back in 2011, 2012, I was charging 20 euros an hour right? I was doing nothing special. I've I've learned how to do it because I asked myself the question, how could I double my income? Now, I was very fortunate to uh, invest in a a product called Double Your Freelancing. I believe it is. If you Google Double Your Freelancing, you should see it. It's it's a gentleman that literally wrote a book on how to double your income. And it's a fairly short read, but it was enough to get me thinking. It wasn't the ultimate answer, but it got me thinking about it. I have a friend who was a policeman in New Zealand and he started his own protein business. He actually started his own protein products. And he got me, ironically, to make his e-commerce website for him for mates rates, exceptionally cheap. He is now killing it. He is now living pretty much a retired life. He has staff that, that covers all of, the, all of his time. And he's no longer a policeman. He hasn't been a policeman for many, many years. And again, he asked that question, how can I double my income? So it's possible for all of us to try to put a plan together. If we think about it hard enough and long enough, and actually, you know, focus on it as as the goal that we want to achieve. Really loved that one,
0: Michael. And it, you've not made easy choices, and you've, well, you mentioned twelve k. You've pretty much lost in the last year in terms of, you now, what you were able to save. That's a lot of money, and I think losing that amount would discourage many people, or also make them back out of making certain investments and just bugs on the market and leaving it at that. But in your case, it seems to be more. Okay, you've made those losses. You've drawn lessons out of it. You've lowered your expenses. You managed because of a few unfortunate Corona-related things. You managed to buy a place cheaper. House hacked at the same time. But in that period and through lessons you've learned, draw the lesson. Okay, I need to make a choice. Do I either work more and get to five faster, or you know do I just leave it the way it is? And given that you're gonna fast track in essence, you know by for Quadrupling your hours like can I imagine that's not it's not an easy choice to say i'm gonna take the pain of working right now because let's be honest you know to certain extent maybe some people love their jobs but most of us you know we just do what we got to do
1: oh yeah big time we're, we're, we're prostitutes for our time alva that's probably the best way to describe <laughs> it right but, uh, yeah look the reason i jumped at that and yeah, look, again, it's not necessarily the first path that I chose. It isn't the first path I chose. The first path I chose was right, let's try and get some businesses going. Let's try and build a product. Yeah, brand yourself, all of that sort of stuff. And I, I did that. And it's it's hard. <laughs> it's it's a difficult road. It could take you ten years just to build a decent business. Right. Now you could get lucky and if you are great. But I've kind of tried a few things and every time I, I tried something, I almost was scared of making the profit. I I would describe myself as more of a social entrepreneur, which is why I launched the hockey clubs and and launched the co-ops and launched other things, which, which weren't about big business and and corporations so much. So I did that, but then I started asking myself the question, look, I can go down this path and I could work at it for 10 years, but there's no guarantee. So then I said, well, what is somewhat of a guarantee? And I said, well, you know, what we know and, and tried and true from 120 years worth of history is that we have a share market that will consistently return here or there, 7% after, after inflation. We pretty much know that. And look, there's no crystal ball, but that's at least a safe bet, right? That's a safe bet that in 15, 20, 30 years time, that we're going to be well up on where we are now. And so when I actually reflected on that, it was a case of going, right, well, maybe that's a better plan. Maybe that's something that's actually going to be easier for me to achieve and at least have a guarantee because, hey, look, this trading, this peer-to-peer lending stuff, there's no guarantee. Can you really tell yourself that some of the platforms that you're invested in in the peer-to-peer world are going to be there in 20 or 30 years? You certainly can't. Not when they've only been up five or six years, right? Whereas we know from the like of the share market where something's regulated, where something is far more, has far more history, that we've got a far better chance of actually seeing it at the end in which you need to draw that capital down. Um,
0: regarding the peer-to-peer bits, we also got to be humble because both of us invested in got fool's by, you know, with as many thousands, but still that happens. And that's a lesson to drawn out of, okay, maybe not necessarily always stick to the standard investments, but do make that the core of a plan. And I I remember the allocations we spoke about, we had on alternative investments, not just peer to peer, but like I was up to 20%. I don't know uh, what it was yourself, but I recall it was up in the high 20 digits, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I was at well over 30% for peer to peer. Now, Look, I'm certainly not against taking some investments for speculation. If you want to buy a Tesla Tesla shares to see just for the for the heck of it, go for it. But make it five percent of your portfolio, maximum ten percent. Yeah, it's the same for the cryptos. I have a little bit of crypto, but not enough to recommend it. You know, just enough to keep myself in the game a little bit, and that's all it should be. Because look, all of us suffer from FOMO, the fear of missing out. Right, we all do, but that doesn't mean go and throw your whole portfolio in there. So you know, keep it sensible look at, for the play for the long run. You know, the majority of my portfolio, bar, the, bar our house, so obviously our house makes up a significant amount of our portfolio now, but the rest of it is being pumped into a pension, a pension that I can't access for another 14 years. But my plan there is basically build this pot up, know it's there, know that you're waking up that you are fired because you've got this massive pension pot. And look, at that point, if you want to go and do something else, you can. And I think one of the, the issues and the challenges, and I'm, I'm sure so many users can relate to this, particularly if you're in IT, is that we become slaves to the money. We can't just change careers because we're going to be going on a significant pay cut. And we can't see how we can actually do that. So I, I have an ambition, Alva, to become a hockey coach, to become a, a, a hockey coach at international level. Now, that doesn't mean going to the Olympics necessarily, but maybe coaching an over-35s team or something like that. But for me to achieve that, I would be taking a huge pay cut. It's not even a sustainable, uh, a sustainable income. So it's not something that I can just go and do. But if I can achieve financial independence, it is something that I can do. So I, t- I talk about passion projects. And I'm all for that. But having that plan and something that you actually want to do uh, and, and a plan beyond that, that's what makes you get up in the morning. You know, if I have to be a slave as a programmer for five years to know that I can then achieve my dream of becoming a hockey coach, and in the meantime, coach teams and do everything I need to do, but knowing what I actually want to do, then that's that's a great way to live your life because I simply can't do that now. I, you know, my family would suffer for it. And so it's just a matter of going, right, let's do this. Let's do this for, to live my dream in five years' time when I can finally get there.
0: And to recap quickly, so... Your five plan pretty much right now is you've got your private pension running where you throw money in every month. Obviously, just purchase the house, which will massively lower your cost of living. Simultaneously, cut your living expenses massively through COVID and simply by being more frugal and focusing. And next to that, just keep saving, throw cash into ETFs, just keep it running, VWRL, and um, keep that component stable. And a few bits and blobs with alternative investments, but the core focus will be house. ETF, private pension, and those together will get you to your 800K million, whatever level you are at that point. And you'll get it done in five years. And um, that's the big change against and when we spoke a year ago, where it was very much, okay, I'm semi retired. I'll keep this running. I could do this now for a while, but my life is too, you know, I'm not living what I want. And now you can actually,
1: it's pretty much like you've gotten more realistic. Exactly. Big time, which is great. And look, I, I th- like I said, we, we all go through this journey and, and we're, all, we're all on our own journey when it comes to financial independence and the FIRE movement. And there is no one way, there is no right path, one right path. It's, it's all about discovering your own path. And I think one of the great things when you do, and, and, and I feel like now I have, I've got the complete picture now, which is great, is that you suddenly don't need to read as many books. You suddenly don't need to worry so much about education because you actually feel, right, I've got a plan. I've got this together now. And now it's just a matter of actually getting up each day and implementing it. So look, it's, it's one of these things. And I hate this. I, I mentioned earlier, I hate this sort of five-year plan thing. I, I hate it when I hear I've got this five-year plan. And the last thing I want to be to giving somebody is, oh, Michael's got a five-year plan. Good for him. Because half the time, it doesn't work out. And a year ago, I had a different plan. And so who's to say in 12 months' time, I'm not going to have a different plan again, right? So again, take everything with a grain of salt. But at the same time, it doesn't hurt to look at that bigger picture first and work backwards from that. And that's really, really important. And, and at the same time, it's important to reflect. A lot of people that I talk to, they love their job. It's exactly what they would be doing. I'm so jealous of that situation. I really, really am. Because they wouldn't be doing anything any different anyway. And so in that case, I would say to them, well, look, just maximize your pension contributions. <laughs> Let the rest happen. You're doing exactly what you want to do anyway. You know, for me, I am trying to dig myself literally out of a hole, right? And the only, re- the only advantage I have in Ireland is a pension system here. If you're self-employed and you have a company, you can get this directors' pension, where you can literally put whatever you pay yourself in as a contribution. So, if I'm paying myself forty thousand a year, I can put forty thousand a year into my pension, and it's just because. And that's that's a hundred percent allocation, and so it's only because of that kind of that kind of loophole that's allowing me to do this in such a dramatic fashion. So again, look, it's what I'm hoping to do, but uh, I, again, I'd encourage all your listeners to find their own, own journey. And that's really what this is all about. Well,
0: Michael, and also if people want to hear more of yourself, there's something happening on the 25th. Can you tell the audience quickly in 30 seconds where it will be about and why they should come?
1: Yeah, yeah. I believe it's actually the 26th, Elvis, so, uh, <laughs> which is a concern which is a concern because you are going to be there as well. So uh, yeah, we are hosting Ireland's first financial independence event. It's an online event. So obviously if it wasn't for COVID, we'd be more likely doing this in person, but we're going to do an online event over Zoom instead. And so we've got, uh, we've got some great speakers together. I am one of them, but uh, more importantly, and uh, probably people that speak far more better than I do yourself, Alva, we have Miss Money Hacker, who's fairly popular in Ireland as a blogger, and Dave G., who's uh, organized a few meetup groups here in Ireland. So we're getting together. Uh, it is going to be based on Irish content. It is going to be based on Irish content. However, you know, with yourself, there Alva as well, it is going to be all applicable to Europeans. And in fact, I would encourage that if you can become financially independent in, in Ireland, you can do it in any country in the world because the Irish tax rates are crazy. So a lot of what we'll be talking about will be more than applicable in other countries in Europe. I'm going to be sharing my own story in a lot more detail than I have today, Elva. believe it or not, because there's uh, a lot more to cover in terms of the mistakes that I've learned, but also the the journey that I'm on now and and how I managed to to come to that and come to that realization. And uh, look, it's a lesson I think that is is worth anybody learning. And I'm happy to share it because I think, gosh, if you can learn from my mistakes, you'll save yourself two years. You know, that, that's the reality of what I've done and, and the mistakes I've made. So, It's worthwhile attending. Uh, The cost for the ticket, is 20 euros. It's a four-hour event. Uh, There's going to be a recording afterwards as well, so you can catch it if you can't catch it in real time. But also it's interactive, and it's it's an opportunity to uh, ask us questions directly and and put us under the spotlight, so to speak. Perfect. And we'll obviously
0: add um, a link to the webpage in the show notes. I will also be speaking myself on how to build your fire plan from scratch. But yeah, on that note, like I would say let's slowly finish this one off. Yeah, I would say thank you so much for coming on again and we will link to yourself and to everything also the irish podcast definitely in the show notes, so people can check yourself out
1: uh, albert it's been a pleasure mate it's been a pleasure so yeah, just just to let your audience know that that fire event is at firehq.ie perfect and i will link to it in the show notes so
0: nobody will miss and all come and join excellent thank you ever it's been a pleasure thanks Michael, for coming on bye bye hey matthias do you think there are no financial independence facebook groups yet
1: Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content
0: gotcha and also we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups on reddit in facebook groups the fight europe retreat obviously we organized and this is in the end a main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you i learn more from you case studies answer questions and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger smarter and hopefully also richer people so you know what say yeah, i'm interested in this where do i find
1: this facebook group yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe Podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe Podcast. See you in the group.
0: Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review.